Welcome to the FarmD Money Podcast, where certified financial planner Derek Delaney brings financial education and observation to help pharmacists navigate their most important financial questions. And welcome in Farm D Nation to episode number 22 of the Farm D Money Podcast. I am your host, Derek Delaney. Thank you all for joining me today. In this episode, I want to dive in a little deeper into the subject of student loans. I think student loans are something many of you have experienced personally and you understand how big of a burden they could be. But in most circumstances, they are a necessity. You need that money in order to go to college to obtain the type of education you want in order to fulfill the type of career you are looking to go after. So student loans, although are a pain in the butt, they are a necessity to help us get to where we want to go professionally. The two areas of student loans I want to concentrate on today are private student loans. What are they all about? How do they work? And what borrowers should be aware of? And then also another topic of student loans that I think don't get discussed enough, but are really, really important, specifically if you are in the early years of trying to figure out how you want to best repay back your student debt, and that is a direct consolidation of your federal student loans. So in this episode, we're going to break down both of those and talk about kind of the basics of each so you are armed with the right kind of information to help you make appropriate decisions when it comes time to figure out how you're going to pay back your student debt. So I'm going to start with private student loans. So again, private student loans, just like the name entails, is getting a loan from a private institution. And that loan is used to pay off usually federal student debt you obtained while getting your college degree. For a lot of my listeners, that would be you getting your PharmD. Private student loans are thought of to be much more risky and are a little more expensive than federal student loans. They're more risky because they lack the same type of consumer protections that are found within federal student loans. And they're more expensive because there is a bit more underwriting done and it's a little harder to qualify for these type of student loans than you going out and pursuing some direct federal student loans. Now, when I say expensive, I don't necessarily mean money out of your pocket expensive. We could be saying it's more expensive due to the time-intensive nature it takes to actually get this type of student loan, but the positives could be it could save you a lot of interest rate money by going private instead of keeping your money um, or instead of keeping your loans as federal student loans. So I think the most important thing borrowers should be aware of if they decide that private student loans are the direction they're going to go is... They need to understand there is one document that is going to give them the most information about everything that's going on in regards to the relationship between the private lender and the student that is paying that private loan back. And it's the promissory note. So all the terms of you borrowing that money for the private student loan is found in that promissory note. In that promissory note, you're going to find things like if your loan has a variable interest rate, who the co-signers are, um, are there any default triggers, stuff like that. But before we get any deeper into that, I just want to make clear that the reason you would want to pursue private student loans, specifically if you are going to transition your federal student loans into private student loans, is to 
take advantage of a lower interest rate. A lot of these private lenders may be offering loans at lower interest rates than your federal loans currently are, which if you keep the same payment, you're going to end up paying far less in interest over the life of your loan, pursuing a private student loan compared to keeping it federal. But let's just say that you have done that already and you have a private loan and you want to get a better understanding of how it all works and some things you should keep an eye on. Well, there are steps you should take when working with private loans and we're going to walk through a few of those. Step number one is you should get a clear inventory of all your private student debt. You should understand everything that's going on. The best way you could do that is to go to annualcreditreport.com and see education loans. These type of loans will not be found on the NSLDS, which is where you could find information on federal student loans. Private student loans is going to take a little bit more work where you're actually going to have to look at your credit report. And annualcreditreport.com will give you a good idea of what private student loans you currently have outstanding at that moment. Step number two, like I talked about before, is get your hands on the promissory note. This promissory note is going to explain all the terms and conditions of these private student loans that you're going to want to be aware of or you're going to have want to have a really good handle on as it comes time for you to maneuver and pay down these private student loans. Things like uh, the term, the lender evaluation, the credit worthiness of yourself will be in that promissory note. Um, there could be some state law that typically governs collection activity. Um, this is what limits private loans access to federal forgiveness provisions and payment provisions. So you'll find that. So once you get your hands on that promissory note, you're going to want to read it and check for things like your interest rate. Like I mentioned before, sometimes people could be surprised that the rate they're paying back is variable, which means when interest rates go up, so is the interest rate on your loan. Also, these interest rates could end up resetting at different times during the payback period, which is important to understand. And you also should know whether or not the interest rate you're paying on these private student loans have a cap, or could they eventually continue to go up, 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 ultimately to a spot where you can't afford to pay it back. You can also check for co-signers on the promissory note, um, any default triggers like we mentioned before, and it's important to check for death and disability discharge provisions. This is unlikely, but it's still worth it for yourself to check on something like this. Um, the death and disability discharge provisions on private student loans are never as good as what you find on federal loans, but it doesn't mean that they're not going to be there. And if a provision like that is part of your private student debt, it'll be in that promissory note. Look for other things like repayment schedule language, uh, hardship or forbearance language, um, you could find potential interest rate provisions, which will tell you how often those variable rates change if you do have a variable rate. Um, you could look for default or balance due triggers. You know, If you're a cosigner, um, the death of a borrower or a cosigner could trigger an acceleration that would require you to have to pay back whatever amount you owe in full right away. Um, you could look for cosigner and student release provisions. Um, Borrower will usually need to apply for these um, to release themselves. So again, there's all sorts of things that can be baked into private student loans that don't necessarily come to front of mind when you think about paying these private student loans back. But it's important to understand everything that's going on when it comes to your federal or your private student loans. And the best place to go for that is that promissory note. Finally, with these private student loans, you're going to want to look at refinancing options and the way you get better terms when it comes time to refinance is by showing you are credit worthy. So a big strategy that I know a lot of people have used in the past and people still use it today for 
paying down private student loans faster than just ex- or paying throughout the entire term is to snowball those debt payments, which means you can refinance multiple times, continue to make the same loan payment. But every time you refinance, you're hopefully getting a better interest rate and better terms on that loan. So that same payment will cover more of the principal which will ultimately cut down on the amount of payments it will take to pay the entire loan off, which in the end will reduce the amount of interest you actually have to pay out of pocket because more of your dollars will be going toward that principal. So refinancing and refinancing multiple times with private student loans isn't out of the question. So you're going to want to make sure you understand how that refinancing opportunity looks and having a strong credit is essential for refinancing. So if you're working through some other debt or your credit score is a little shaky, make sure you do your best to clean a lot of that stuff up before it comes time to looking at refinancing because it could potentially end up saving you a lot of money in the form of getting a better interest rate. The average FICO score for refinancing approvals is around 760. Um, The last statistic I saw showed me that about 58% of applicants were denied when they tried to refinance their student debt. Uh, The average refinance interest rate right now is about 5.56%, and that includes auto pay discount. So it's not like you're getting the type of interest rate you'd find on a mortgage or other debt. Finally, almost a third of the student loan refinances for private student loans were refinanced with a cosigner. So have an understanding of what your credit score looks like, what is your credit worthiness, and if it's not that great, who could you go to become a co-signer on these private student loans? So that, in a nutshell, is private student debt and kind of how it worked and some of the things you should look at. How does that compare with the other option you have when it comes to your student loans or another option you have, which is direct loan consolidation? So direct loan consolidation is not the same as private refinancing. To do a direct consolidation, you must combine multiple loans, and those multiple loans will usually fall into two different type of loans, which would be your subsidized and unsubsidized loans. The interest rate of the new loan when you do a direct consolidation will never lower the weighted average interest rates of your loans before you do the direct consolidation. As a matter of fact, it will ultimately increase the interest rate. So direct consolidation will never lower your interest rate. Your goal should never be when it comes to a direct consolidation of your student debt to lower your interest rate. As a matter of fact, with a direct loan consolidation, they take the weighted average of the consolidated loans and they round that up to the nearest one-eighth of 1%. So how does this work in practice when it comes time to trying to determine what your new interest rate would be if you decide you wanted to wanted to do a direct consolidation of your student loans. Well, first, you'd want to determine the total of each loan. Uh, Don't forget any outstanding interest payments you might owe on these. Create a balance for all your subsidized loans and your unsubsidized loans. Next, calculate the weighted average of each loan. So you take the loan balance and divide it by the total loan balance within each of those two categories, subsidized and unsubsidized, for each loan. And then find the interest value for each loan and multiply that interest rate by the weighted average for that loan. Then you add them all up together and you take the final number that you get and round it to the nearest one-eighth of 1%. And that is the procedure that is used when it comes time to determine what your new interest rate is going to be when you do a direct consolidation of your federal student debt. Another very, very important thing to understand when it comes time to do a direct consolidation is that it will 
change the term of the repayback period for a standard repayment after you do a direct consolidation. And the term that you get put into will be directly correlated with the amount of outstanding debt you have after the consolidation. Let me give you an example where if you do a direct consolidation but you have a debt load between zero and 7,500, your term to repay that directly consolidated loan will be 10 years. I know for a lot of PharmD graduates, you're leaving pharmacy school with a lot more than 7,500. So if you have over $60,000 of student loan debt after a direct consolidation, your repayment term could be as high as 30 years. And I think that's really important for a lot of you to know because sometimes you may not understand that it's going to take you 30 years to repay back this loan. And you might not care because it feels really good because your monthly payment due is going to be a lot smaller because you're repaying it back over 30 years. But having 30 years of payments on that debt is going to end in you paying far more in interest over that 30 years than if you could have shortened the term of that loan to 20, 15, 12, or 10 years. So just understand and know that if you do a direct consolidation and you have a high loan amount, that the length or the term for any standard repayment after you do that could be as long as 30 years. And if that's the case, I would highly recommend you think of a game plan to get yourself in position to pay off your student debt a lot faster than over a 30-year period. So what are the benefits of direct consolidation for those of you that don't know? Well, it can provide for much more repayment options. Doing a direct consolidation could allow certain type of loans to now be qualified to be paid back through any of the income-based repayment plans. We mentioned before, uh, direct consolidation could increase the term up to 30 years. So if you're really struggling with paying a lot of your debt back currently now and you would do anything to get that payment lower, doing a direct consolidation and terming your loans out to 30 years could be helpful. Pay off defaulted or delinquent loans. So if you have loans that are in default or delinquent right now, you can do a direct consolidation and it helps with that. And it simplifies the repayment because it brings all these loans into one subsidized and one unsubsidized loan for you to keep an eye on. So it simplifies the repayment process. And as we mentioned before, it increases the interest rates. So the weighted average rate you could pay back after a direct consolidation could be higher than the original subsidized loan rate. So just keep that in mind as well. Before we end the episode, I just want to recap again. If you're at the stage where you're trying to figure out how to pay back your student debt and you're considering either a direct consolidation or going the private route with your student loans, those are both good options as long as what you're trying to accomplish fits within what those two options are actually able to provide. For the private student loans, just make sure you keep an eye on the promissory note and all of the different guidelines that are outlined within that promissory note that could impact your ability to repay that private student debt, the good and the bad. And the direct consolidation, just make sure that you know when you consolidate your loans that the interest rates are probably going to get higher. So lowering your interest rate is not going to be a factor when it comes time when when you do a direct consolidation, that should be something you shouldn't consider as far as considerations to do a direct consolidation. And also note that if your loan balance is high enough, the term timeline to pay back that student debt could skyrocket dramatically. And even though it may feel good in the beginning because you'll have a lower monthly payment after you do the direct consolidation, just know that the amount of interest you pay over that longer timeline 
will be far more than the alternative of paying it back faster. So keep those two things in mind when it comes time to pay back your student loan debt. If you're looking for more information about the podcast, myself, or FarmDFP, feel free to visit the firm's website at farmdfp.com. Also, feel free to check out and subscribe to the YouTube channel FarmD Financial Planning for more great insight. Email podcast at farmdfp.com with questions, topics, or ideas you'd like to hear more about. Finally, until next time, FarmD Nation, be well. The FarmD Money Podcast is not intended to be tax, legal, or investment advice. All opinions expressed on the show are for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for tax, legal, or investment advice.